Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. I'm Dave Hellman. And why wouldn't we wrap up another wild week in the NFL with a huge upset? It's the Minnesota Vikings this time taking down the San Francisco 49ers 22-17 on Monday night football. The Vikings looking like the season's lost. Most of our conversations about Minnesota are about the trade deadline. They're touchdown underdogs to the mighty 49ers and they hold it down at home. 22 17. They buck the trend. Kirk cousins delivering in prime time. And what I love about this, I think, look, I've been watching Kirk cousins entire career. I, I said this on social media after the game. I got to do a deeper dive. You know, we're recording this in the immediate aftermath of the game. I don't know if that was actually the best performance of Kirk Cousins' career, but it it needs to be up there. I know he's won a playoff game. I know he's won some other big games. It needs to be on the short list of Kirk Cousins' very best games. And what I loved about it the most is that it started in typical, stereotypical, maybe unfair fashion toward Kirk Cousins on the third play of the game. He throws an interception, not his fault. Rookie Jordan Addison gets bullied by Charvarius Ward, has the ball taken right away from him over the middle of the field. And you say, yep, here we go. It's the Niners. They're going to bounce back from that loss to Cleveland. They're going to murder the Vikings, just like we all thought. But no, Kirk Cousins says, absolutely not. You're not going to steal my shine on this Monday night. He goes 35 of 45 for 378 yards. He gets the two touchdowns to go with the pick. That, again, is not his fault. And a master class performance from Kirk Cousins against one of the best defenses in the NFL. My personal favorite stat. You saw it flash across the screen toward the end of Monday Night Football. Kirk, 9 of 12 on third down for 182 yards and two touchdowns on third down. He picked up eight of the Vikings, 24 first downs, passing the ball on third down. An incredible performance from the Vikings offense. And quarterbacks get all the credit. I get it. But what a day from the Minnesota offensive line against this phenomenal San Francisco front. No sacks allowed in 45 pass attempts. It is tied for the season high. 
along with Miami, most pass attempts by a quarterback this season without getting sacked. I think people who know football have known for a minute that Vikings left tackle Christian Derrissaw and and right tackle Brian O'Neill are two of the best. It's one of the best tackle duos in the league. Performance like this in prime time, I think that solidifies it. It's the type of thing that should put them on a lot more people's radar. Game like that deserves personal shout-outs. Dalton Risner, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram stepping up as well. You hold the 49ers without a sack in prime time. You deserve the attention. Kirk Cousins now improving to 3-10 and 10 on Monday night. That's been the cliche for years is that he can't win after the sun goes down. My wonderful producers here tell me he was 11 of 18 in games that started at night heading in. 12 and 18 now. Just a, a phenomenal performance. Really cool for Kirk Cousins and his offense to get it done with everybody watching. I mentioned Jordan Addison. Talk about a coming out party. Did I see the stat correctly? Yes, he ties Randy Moss for the most receiving touchdowns by a Vikings rookie in their first seven games. Anytime you can get included in a stat with Randy Moss, you're doing something right. Addison makes up for his big mistake. Again, has the ball taken away from him in a crucial spot for the interception at the beginning of the game. Comes back with a touchdown immediately after that. And then just before halftime, really kind of changes the complexion of this game. It looked like the 49ers were coming back. Kirk looks for him deep. Looks like Charvarius Ward's going to go for another one. Jordan Addison rips that ball away, goes to the house. This dude seems like he's good for a, a 50, 60 yard house call once a week. Seven catches, 123 and two touchdowns. Vikings have to be feeling great about that draft pick. Oh, by the way, he's doing it. He did it Monday night without Justin Jefferson. All of a sudden, the Minnesota Vikings sitting there at three and four. They're three and four, right? That just doesn't even feel right to say with the way their season started. Still got some work to do with Detroit. Even with the Lions losing to the Ravens, hold, they're holding a commanding lead on the NFC North. But guess what? The Vikings still get to play two games against the Lions. You can never write the storylines in September and October. Big, big moment for the Minnesota Vikings. And it really feels like, at the very least, they have saved their season for the time being. I think we can cool off on all the speculation about who they'll sell off at the deadline next week. But man, you look at the schedule, and I, I get it. You, you're not winning and losing games on paper. There are surprises every week. I don't know anybody outside of crazy Vikings fans that picked this result, but after the gauntlet that they've been through with the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Niners, they now get to trade that in for games against teams like Green Bay and Atlanta and New Orleans and Chicago and Las Vegas. They probably won't win all of those games if I had to guess but it is much more manageable than what they went through at the beginning of the season. Who knows? We saw these guys put together quite a thrilling season last year. Maybe this is the start of something special. Maybe it's a blip on the radar and we say, holy crap, remember when the Vikings had that game against San Francisco? I don't know. That's the fun of it. We'll see where it goes, but a really cool moment for Kirk Cousins. Didn't even mention Cameron Bynum. We'll get to that side of it now. The San Francisco 49ers, we knew they were without Trent Williams. We knew they were without Debo Samuel. Christian McCaffrey winds up gutting through this game. But the Minnesota offense looking about as pedestrian as what we've been used to. Honestly, considering the situation, last week, 
They lose those guys mid-game in a rainy condition against Cleveland on the road. This was way better. They had all week to prepare, knowing they might not have Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. They played this game in a dome. I would argue it looked worse. Brock Purdy, turns out, when you take a few of those pro bowlers away, definitely not a bad quarterback. Still, all of the flashes that we've seen from Brock Purdy are there. Thought he had some really fantastic throws. He used his feet very impressively in this game. But you take a couple of pro bowlers out of the equation, and it's not quite as easy. Brock Purdy with his first multi-interception game as a pro this year. He, Cameron Bynum gets the better of him twice in the second half, one of which seals the game. That's It's a trend now. They've done it twice. With everything that went wrong for the 49ers, they still forced a field goal attempt that was missed at the end by Greg Joseph. Vikings had a chance to push it to an eight-point lead. They can't do it. Five-point deficit. The Niners had a shot. Purdy was picked off at the 22 with 30 seconds to play. The Niners were right there with a chance to maybe win this. The Vikings, to their credit, make the plays that need to be made at the end. It's the Niners' first two-game losing streak since, coincidentally enough, week six and week seven of last year. They're right on pace for what they did last year. They dropped games to Atlanta and Kansas City at this exact time in 2022. We know what happened after that. They kicked it into high gear. They didn't lose again until the NFC Championship. Not saying that's going to happen here. There might be more bumps in the road for the Niners, but it is just a lesson in perspective. Two-game losing streaks happen to even the best teams in the league. Trent Williams is expected back. Debo Samuel is expected back, maybe after the bye week. I'm not going to panic about the 49ers, but it is interesting to see them look mortal, to see Brock Purdy go through some downs that have gone with, with all of the ups. Not worried in the long term. Still really impressed about most of his play in a hostile environment. But yeah, like I just said, the 49ers, they're immortal, apparently. They're right there with the rest of everyone else in the NFL in the sense that you lose a couple guys to injury, you make a couple mistakes on the road, you find yourself at 5-2 and two and not quite resembling the team that nobody knew how to beat just a couple weeks ago. We will see how they rebound. Not going to get worried about them But wow, what a fun note to wrap up week seven with. And now we turn the focus forward. Let's catch up on some news as we move into week eight. Busy Monday of news in the NFL. Some of it coming pretty late. Top story on Tuesday is that Saints wide receiver Chris Olave was arrested for reckless operation of a motor vehicle. That's about all the detail we have right now. This story literally broke while we were prepping to record this podcast during the final minutes of Monday Night Football. Olave reportedly driving 35 miles per hour over the speed limit in the New Orleans area. We'll see where it goes. Not a whole lot of information beyond that, but uh, another bad bit of news for a Saints team that has been struggling as of late. Elsewhere, over in the AFC, big blow for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. It turns out linebacker Nick Bolton Suffered a dislocated wrist in the win against the Chargers. He needs surgery on it. Expected to miss two months. If I'm doing the mental math right, that still gives him a shot to be back before the regular season is over. But that's a tough, tough blow for the Chiefs defense. Playing incredibly well. Shut the Chargers out in the second half on Sunday. Allowing just 15 points per game so far this season. I would say, I think Bolton is the second best player on that Chiefs defense behind Chris Jones. 
certainly on the short list. Going to be a big blow for them. We'll see how they deal with that moving forward. Sticking in the AFC West, Broncos safety Kareem Jackson suspended four games for his illegal hit on Green Bay tight end Luke Musgrave on Sunday afternoon. It's the longest suspension for violating player safety rules in four years, not since Vontez Burfecht and Miles Garrett in 2019 has a player been hit with this long of a suspension for, for violating player safety rules. It's actually, and, and I, I have a feeling the reason why is because of prior offenses by Kareem Jackson. Remember, he got ejected in week two for a really big hit in the end zone against Washington. Jackson is expected to appeal, so we'll see if it holds up. And finally, the NFL is looking into the situation with Bijan Robinson's absence from the Falcons injury report, and then basically his absence from the week seven win against Tampa Bay. Didn't touch on it in the recap show, but basically Bijan Robinson not on the injury report heading into that win against Tampa Bay. And then he barely plays in the game. 11 touches or excuse me, 11 snaps on the day, just one touch, which came at the very end. Arthur Smith said at halftime, Bijan wasn't feeling well. Come to find out after the fact he was, he was, his head wasn't feeling right. He, He had a headache the night before Falcons decided to play it safe with him, but it does raise questions about how far in advance the Falcons knew about it, whether or not they needed to report it to the league. It's, common for the league to do this when a player, you know, a, a starter, a top 10 draft pick like Bijan Robinson has such a smaller than anticipated role going into a game. Typically teams that have been found in violation of this have been fined. We'll see what happens with that, but definitely a, a strange sur- situation for the Falcons. Hopefully Bijan Robinson feeling much better moving forward. One last news item to get to here on a Tuesday, and it's a little bit serendipitous because we were actually already planning on bringing in our good friends, AFC East writer Henry McKenna and our NFC East writer Ralph Vacchiano to break down the big Eagles-Dolphins game from Sunday night, Philly getting the win. Already planning to do that, and then news comes across that the Eagles, as predicted, Howie Roseman, always busy around the trade deadline, the Eagles trading with the Tennessee Titans for all-pro safety Kevin Byard. So, just kind of fits to wrap it all together. Ralph, that's where I want to start out with you, my friend. Eagles sending a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick, as well as safety Terrell Edmonds to Tennessee in exchange for Kevin Byard. Not surprised the Eagles did it, because that's what Howie does, but what is your immediate reaction when you heard this news? Uh, You know, it's Howie Roseman doing Howie Roseman things, right? I mean, is there? I don't know if there's a general manager in football that's better at just aggressively filling needs than he is. So many uh, general managers will sit passively and say, maybe I can get a bargain. Maybe I can get this guy a little cheaper. He just goes and gets guys when he needs them and damn the cost. And, you know, not that a player and a fifth and a sixth is a huge cost, but it's not nothing either. In return, though, he gets a two-time all-pro safety, someone to bolster the secondary where they've been hit by injuries. They had lost Justin Evans, a starting safety. Avante Maddox, one of their cornerbacks. Uh, you know, Reed Blankenship had been hurt. Sidney Brown had been hurt. So many guys back there had been banged up that, you know, they thought they could live with the pass rush, but they knew they needed more back there. So he went out and got it. And and you just knew he would because that's what he does. He needs a running back, goes and gets DeAndre Swift. He needs a receiver, goes and gets A.J. Brown. Worries about the cost later. Just fill the needs. Let's do what we have to do to win. It's exactly what you'd want in your team. I think every every fan would think that way. 
I don't it 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 can't be a coincidence. Maybe it was. I don't know, but I can't help but notice Edmonds contributes to the Dolphins' lone offensive touchdown in that game, and then what? Twelve hours later, he's uh, he's shipped off to Tennessee. Possibly not. Um, you know, who knows how long that had been in the works? But uh, you know, Howie Roseman's a genius, so, so thing, he makes things seemingly work out in uh, miraculous ways. On the other side of this, Henry. No, no trades pending in Miami that I'm aware of, at least not yet. But last time I had you on the show, we talked about the Dolphins potentially getting healthier. And ironically, they looked like a pretty beat up team by the end of that loss to Philadelphia. They lose left guard Isaiah Wynn. Xavier Howard doesn't play as a game time decision. As they move forward out of this loss, can you just give us a, a brief overview of, of how they're looking health wise coming out of this? Yeah, and if Howie Roseman is is uh, uh, the genius in you know that situation, Vic Fangio, Fangio is going to have to be the genius in this situation, the defensive coordinator in Miami, because he on Sunday was without you know his top three cornerbacks, I think, uh, with Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, and Nick Needham. Needham they haven't had it all this year. Ramsey obviously got injured in in the off season, and then like you mentioned. Uh, Mike McDaniel was trying to weigh at the last minute whether they would play Xavier Howard. He traveled with the team. There was a chance he was going to play. Ultimately, McDaniel decided to think, I think, a little bit longer term uh, in that situation. So, like you mentioned, Isaiah Wynn getting hurt in the game. He's likely to miss a few weeks, according to McDaniel. Uh, But there is some good news, right? (laughs) Teron Armstead's missed some time, uh, and he's been on IR, but I think He'll be coming back at the end of the year or in the coming weeks. Um, Jalen Ramsey, according to McDaniel, is going to be returning to team drills this week. That's a good sign for him um, as he begins to prepare to uh, to make his return in that defense. And like we said, if Xavier Howard was a game-time decision last Sunday, I think it's pretty promising for him to be back in action this week. So, the Dolphins are beat up, um, but I think if if there's any consolation to them losing to, you know, in in dramatic fashion to the Bills and and now the Eagles in prime time, I think it's that maybe just maybe they are uh, they are somehow getting healthier as the season goes on, which never seems to happen. Which hey, I I wanted to make sure we said that because I I can hear the Dolphins fans pointing out everything they were missing. But as Ralph alluded to talking about the trade, I doubt the Philadelphia Eagles want to hear it with everything that they've been through this season, which I would love to, you know, you guys both cover these divisions. You're familiar with these teams. I would love to kind of split this down the middle because I'm conflicted more so from the Dolphins point of view, but I'm conflicted coming out of this game because you, you watch the game. It takes Philly until the dying moments of the game, they they get a pick in the red zone, they drive the field and kind of put it away. It was a competitive game, but it's also hard not to look at this and say the Dolphins have had two big opportunities. They've fallen pretty far short in both of them. So having watched it, having covered these teams, how big did the gap seem to you? I guess, Henry, we'll start with you since it is a Dolphins-focused question. Yeah, it felt like they buried them a little bit in the fourth quarter, whereas the Bills game felt like they got buried <laughs> quite early uh, in that contest. So, I mean, if you're looking for progress, I suppose that's uh, that's one way to look at it. But 
Um, no, I think I think it it really comes down to the question of whether you believe that Vic Fangio can can get this secondary in order because the the Dolphins' defensive line is supremely talented. They are generating pressures. Um, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Christian Wilkins are doing a great job, but but they're not quite finishing. And I think if you look at what what a secondary can do is then you've got, you know, the, the full gamut of a, of a pass defense. And so if, if there's longer coverage, that means more time to get to the passer. And then the sacks start to happen. Game changing plays start to happen. And we have similar kind of feeling on offense where maybe that left tackle gives to a, a better feeling of timing. Uh, maybe having your number two receiver Jalen Waddle for the whole game. That's an injury. There are so many injuries that we almost forgot to mention that one. Uh, but he's likely to return next week. So, you know, I I don't want to be like overly peppy about a loss for the Dolphins, but um, hopefully this is kind of situation where they learn from their mistakes. They get the personnel into place in these coming games and they look like a, a different team, you know, in December and maybe even January. That's That's the optimistic view. I don't know, Ralph. What did you see on your end? Well, I mean, th- this is kind of what the Eagles do. You know, they don't um, manhandle a lot of teams and win 45 to 7. They wear them down. You know, they they kind of stay in games. Their defense keeps them in games. Their running game wears down an opposing defense. Jalen Hurts makes a couple of big plays here and there. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that I saw a huge gap necessarily in these teams. I just saw the Eagles doing what they they always do to just about everybody. And you know, for them, that's a tremendous sign because I thought the Dolphins were one of the better teams. And, you know, even though they were banged up, you know, they still had enough speed on that offense. You know, Waddle was there for a lot of it. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, uh, Raheem Mostert's still there. And they, you know, the Eagles defense, as they bragged about after the game, they made the Dolphins one-dimensional. They shut down that rushing attack. Um, you know, they, they kept them to season lows in yards and points and all of that. That's an impressive performance. Uh, by that Eagles defense. But, you know, I, I never, honestly, I don't walk away from a lot of games thinking, wow, the Eagles are just so much better than that team. They're just so deep, so efficient, and they wear everybody down. It's like they're just a steamroller going through. Sometimes it's not pretty, but, you know, they always just find a way to win. I think that's perfectly put. I mean, the, the story of this game for me, I wrote it earlier today, 13 plays, 83 yards at the end of this game. But, Ralph, one thing I do want to touch on it is an impressive win for Philly. Don't get me wrong, but between two turnovers from Jalen hurts and the apparent injury to his knee, how worried should I be about Jalen? I mean, I know he said he'll be fine. He's a gamer. He's always going to say the right thing, but at this point, I don't think we can deny any more that whether it's injury related or something else, he doesn't quite look like the guy we remember from last year. Yeah, it's really, it's crazy and hard to evaluate because you're right. All year long now, we have had this nagging feeling that there's something not right about Jalen Hurts. And then you look up and he's thrown for 280 yards and two touchdowns and he's run for 40 yards and they've won. So, you know, you you don't want to overreact to it. And the same yesterday, he comes out in the second half with that brace on his knee. He doesn't look quite right. And then he'll take off for a couple of long runs. You'll think, okay, well, then it doesn't really bother him. And then you'll see him limping. Um, and then he'll run out of the pocket and throw downfield. So, I, you know, I I guess I'd be worried a little bit about him because, um, again, it's just something has looked off all season long. But 
him off is still like on the borderline of MVP consideration. He is that good. He's still playing that well. You do wonder how long he can sustain it if he's got a knee injury or there's something else. So I'd be a little worried if I were an Eagle fan, but man, he he is good even if he's not 100%. It, it seems like the story of the Eagles season is it could be a little bit better, but it's still really, really, really good. So they've got uh, two division games coming up. Henry, last time you were on, I at least joked at the Patriots expense that the Bills would be able to get right against New England. Clearly did not seem to be the case. New England with a an amazing performance knocking off the Bills. So that's who Miami has next. Do we put a lot of stock in that, knowing that New England is capable of doing it? Or is this just a case where we're waiting two weeks for the Chiefs game for, for the Dolphins to have another big opportunity to, to show what they're worth? Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to be pesky team for the rest of this season. Um, I think they're going to show up flat because of the talent issues that they have. But when Belichick does put together a game plan like the one he had in place for Buffalo... And remember, a team like Buffalo doesn't change their game plan from week to week. They do the same thing. They want to beat you with their talent. And in this case, they didn't have as much as they expect to because of injuries. Um, Belichick's the guy that changes his game plan every week. And so I, I think that with the talent problems that they have, there's a greater level of variance, I think, sometimes with how, how their performance looks. It'll be interesting, I guess. Uh, to see them in Miami. Um, but I, I think they have trouble in Miami historically. And this Miami team is just flat out better. So it seems like a get right game, which like you said, we said last week. So uh, I don't know if that's troubling. And, but yeah, I think I think that the, if, if I were writing the script for the NFL, it would be humble the Patriots, move on to the Chiefs. And uh, then we get to see whether there's any like health progress, you know, schematic growth or whether the the fraud narrative really goes uh into overdrive uh after what would it be week nine at that point i will at least i will give the dolphins until the chiefs game i'm not calling them frauds somebody had to lose that game we will have a close eye on both the eagles and the dolphins i'm gonna guess throughout the season but guys i will uh i'm sure i will call on you again i appreciate the time as always thank you yeah great to see you one last bit of business before we turn the page to the next week. You know what it is. It's time for power rankings. And don't ask me how it all sorts out down at the bottom. It's confusing as hell, as you can tell by our first team all the way up at number 25, up six spots from last week. I've got the New England Patriots. How does that happen? How, do, how does a team that I have circling the drain all the way down at 31 last week bump up that far? Well, first... If my lovely producers can take us back to the big board, look at all the teams below the Pats. Look at what happened elsewhere and tell me, should the Pats be below teams like Vegas and Arizona? Obviously not Carolina. You're due for a jump when teams start to lose and the Pats got a huge win against their division rivals, the Bills. I have no idea where Mac Jones went between week one and week seven because that guy, the guy that played in those two games is really pretty damn good. It's everything in between you got to sort out. I don't know what it means, but it's an impressive win by a team that everybody wrote off. I, I feel okay bumping them up to number 25. Speaking of which, team we've already spent some time on next, the Vikings. 
jumped four spots up to number 19. Bad start to the season. They start 0-3 all of a sudden. 3-4 and four, with one of those wins coming against the 49ers. Yes, they're, they are now right there. I think of the teens as the, the mediocre wildcard contenders. The teams where you're like, eh, I don't know how good they are, but could they steal a playoff spot? Sure. And the Vikings are now officially in that category. Kirk Cousins looks amazing. Like I said, I'm, I'm just happy for the guy to play that well when everyone's watching because the joke is that he can only do it at 1 p.m. Well, he did it at night this time. Loved it. Vikings, sneaky, frisky team. Maybe not a good team, but after the way the season started, you'll take sneaky, frisky. Number 15, the Pittsburgh Steelers jumping up four spots. Again, am I convinced the Steelers are the 15th best team in the NFL? Absolutely not. But they beat the Rams on the road, who I had in that range. Chargers can't figure it out. Jets didn't play. Packers lose a big game. Who, who, who do you put above them? Who do you put above the Steelers? I love Kenny Pickett's performance. thought he was clutch. The defense can help you win games. We've already seen that this season. Yes, the offense still has a hell of a lot of work to do, but they keep finding ways to do it, man. They're 4-2. and two. They're 2-0 two and oh in the division. They got wins against Cleveland and Baltimore in the division. You cannot write that off. I don't know how good they are. They're good enough to be smack dab in the middle of the league, I guess, is the answer. Moving on to the Buffalo Bills. Falling all the way down four spots to number 10. Lose to the Patriots. I thought I thought the Bills were going to retire Belichick, honestly. thought if the Saints and the Cowboys can do that to the Pats and the Raiders can make Mac Jones look helpless, even a banged-up Buffalo defense had a shot. Clearly not the case. I'm not worried about Josh Allen. I know that he can be inconsistent. I know that he has problems with turnovers, but the ceiling is you tolerate it for the ceiling. Not worried about Stephon Diggs. Dawson Knox with an injury now, sneaky issue for the Bills. But even still, I'm not worried about their offense. I'm very worried about their defense. How many losses can they sustain? I said before, you worry about losing guys like Matt Milano, Tredavious White. Defense just not looking like the unit that it had been in the first month of the season. Bills still in the top 10. A little bit worried about you. Let's take it up, up. The biggest winner of the week, obviously, is the Baltimore Ravens. Jumping up five big spots to number four. I thought about having them below the Dolphins. And then I was like, why? The Ravens have played five games against teams that are at or above 500. And they've only lost one of them. And that they should have won against Pittsburgh. They've had a very impressive season. And they put a nice little emphasis on it by just blowing Detroit off the field. Sending Detroit packing by halftime. One of the most impressive performances of the season. They were only hovering down around seven, eight, nine because they couldn't put together an offensive performance. You know how I feel about defensive coordinator Mike McDonald if you listen to the show. But now with the offense humming, if the Ravens even come close to looking like that on a regular basis, they're absolutely a top five team. And of course, to my wonderful producer Chelsea's immense joy the Philadelphia Eagles jump three spots to be number one in the power rankings for the first time this season. Scary thing is I'll say it again. I'm still not convinced they have played their best game, but they rebound from the loss to the jets. 
They exert their will on offense in crunch time. Their very maligned defense just completely shuts down a Dolphins offense, even, even if the Dolphins offense is banged up, to hold them to half of their yardage and points. Very, very impressive for a defense that hadn't really looked that impressive. And now they trade for Kevin Byard, who, even if he's lost a step, even if he's lost two steps, it's definitely an upgrade in that secondary. Niners showed you how hard it is to rebound in correct fashion. They they lose two games in a row. The Eagles say, absolutely not. They get a big win. They do it against one of the best teams in the league. They are very deserving of the one spot. Kansas City Chiefs fans, don't get too mad at me. I'm sure the Chiefs will have their opportunity to reclaim their crown, and it won't take all that long. That does it for the power rankings. That does it for the show. Next time we talk, we will be... On to week eight, all of the madness, all of the upsets. Clearly, we never know what's going to happen. Always something in the NFL. Please go find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Seems like y'all are enjoying the show. We really appreciate the support. I will catch y'all next time.